White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Brad Burns. takes a perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. Can it go? Grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked on Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. After a glorious 8-4 victory over the Detroit Tigers, the White Sox are now 9-9. Nine and nine. This is Herb Lawrence, and with me is Chris Tannehill. How are you feeling after that great victory, Chris? Well, let me ask my buddy and friend, the great Bill Walton. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turtle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. And this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by CBD. MD. Hey, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. It could be a, an old dad like me, you know, doing lots of yard work, getting sore, working on projects around the house, beating yourself up. Well, luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little chaotic. I'll tell you about a couple great products here from CBDMD. They've got CBD Freeze with Menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. There's also CBD Recover. That combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBMD has to offer... They're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. So, Herbie, as you mentioned tonight, the White Sox are indeed winners. It feels good uh, to break down a win. Uh, It's been a tough week uh, at the end of last week and start to this week. But we have Dallas Keuchel. We talked about him last night on the podcast with his his strong thoughts on the performance of his teammates or the lack of performance, uh, better yet there. And so they come out tonight swinging the bats. Uh, Before the game, you heard the Zoom calls. James McCann weighed in. Tim Anderson weighed in. Rick Renteria weighed in. Everyone seems to be on board on this White Sox team as far as the message that was delivered by Keuchel himself last night. And and the, the Sox seemed to come out today, and they responded well facing Tyler Alexander, who last outing against the Reds struck out 10 batters. So we thought this was going to be a a tough road to hoe here, and Sox respond. So I guess where where do we start here, that big first inning, Tim Anderson back in the lineup, leads off with a walk. Yoan strikes out. Yaz singles, and then Abreu uh, gets the Sox on the board with an RBI single, making it one to nothing. Edwin Encarnacion back in the lineup, and we'll get to him in just a bit. He gets a fielder's choice, but then Eloy Jimenez comes up. Sends this one in the air to right field. Demerit back at the track and the wall. It is gone! 
Three-run home run, Aloy Jimenez. He socked a couple last night. This one leaves. It's four to nothing. And making things a lot easier on tonight's starting pitcher for the Sox, Gio Gonzalez. So it was great to see that first inning offensive uh, explosion, you know, considering how it's been of late. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, it was really good to see. The bats looked a little bit more uh, measured and crisp. Uh, I mean, Eloy's still doing the early swinging, but if you're going to hit a home run on your first pitch, cool. I'm good with that. But, yeah, it looked a little bit more like the message got through. Timmy being back in the lineup, while not a guy who's going to get on via walk, usually with a good at bat to start the game, set the tone. And it was really good to see him especially get that walk and get base runners on because that's what the White Sox need. I think you were on the air today saying White Sox are a good hitting team. They have like the second best average in the whole league, but they're on bases like middle of the road. So to get on base any way you can, like Timmy did, sets the tone for the rest of the inning. And then you see what happens when you have the rest of that offense work like it's supposed to work. And that opposite field power, which it looked like the stroke that Eloy was doing all day long. With Later on in the game, he had a RBI single to right field, too. So, yeah, it's been real good to see that first inning play out like it did today. And, you know, you mentioned it in a text message to me earlier on this evening towards the end of the game. You said Eloy's seen five pitches tonight. And I said on the radio today that Eloy saw all of eight pitches last night. But the results tonight, incredibly different. I, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, I, um, that a bad at bat is is swinging early. You know, that doesn't that doesn't make it a bad at bat. I think, you know, your criticism last night was taking those early first pitch strikes from the Tigers pitchers and then swinging at the garbage that they, that they you know pump outside of the strike zone and the rest of the at bat and that's what constitutes a bad at bat if you see your pitch early you know, god bless you know swing hard in case you hit it and certainly Eloy did tonight but you know getting back to the offensive woes up to this point it's one of those situations where the Sox are they're just going to have to they're 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 going to mash their way to run production you know with the on base not being where we wanted to be tonight was a good start in the right direction but with, with the on-base not being where a, a good team usually sits at, a good offensive team, they're going to bash their way, and that's why the batting average is so high because they rely on a lot of hard contact, a lot of uh, home runs, uh, doubles, and sometimes when that happens, you fall victim to the BABIP gods, and sometimes the BABIP gods just aren't on your side, and you know, resulting in a lot of double play ground balls, lots of atom balls, lots of hang with them. So it's it's always nice. Well, Yasmani walked tonight, and you know, to go along with Tim Anderson's walk in the first. Uh, that leaves two walks in the first three innings, which I did not know the White Sox were allowed to do. So, uh, man, so much <laughs> applause tonight to the White Sox. Patient, patient hitters. Uh, you love to see it. And back to Encarnacion. You know, this guy, he, he hurt his shoulder while running. I can relate. I hate running. But he's back in the lineup tonight. And what does he do? In the uh, top of the fourth inning, he hits an absolute bomb and we saw the parrot for the first time this year because I don't think we technically saw it uh, when he hit one in that second game against the twins so this is home run number two for Encarnacion we see the parrot finally uh, taking a night stroll in Detroit it's exit velocity of 108.7 miles an hour he hit the shit out of that ball let's be honest uh, it was good to see him back in the lineup he really just cr creates depth to the lineup we talked about it early on when they played the Cubs in that that scrimmage game before the season started just having him in the in the middle of that lineup 
It's just it, it's good for everybody. It's it's someone that can just that you have to fear in the middle of the lineup that can take you deep any point in the ball game and sort of just provide that that burst of energy into a lineup that's dormant. So it's, it was great to see him back tonight. Um, Jose Abreu, a good night tonight. There was just you know guys filling up the, the stat page all night. You had uh, three hits by Abreu tonight, two hits by Eloy. Um, some other guys with really good at bats tonight. Not necessarily getting the uh, the, the results you want, but overall, uh, just just a good offensive output tonight. A good start that is. I mean, this this team's ceiling is still very high in terms of their run production, but to, but tonight is certainly a step in the right direction. Um, what else stuck out to you tonight offensively that that maybe I haven't mentioned here early on that you saw tonight? Well, it's always good to score eight runs in a game, but. As we always say here on this Locked on Sox podcast, it's more about the approach than the actual results. And the White Sox are one of the highest teams in the league in leaving men on base. And tonight they left 11 men on base. Yesterday they left 11 men on base. On Sunday they left 11 men on base. On Saturday they left 14 men on base. So this this trend is very, very troubling in my uh, opinion, it's cool to get people on base when you do, but this team is too good to be leaving this many runners out there, too many stakes out there left to be eaten. And I need them to be concentrating on hey, we need to get a guy over and then get that guy in, you know, you're going to leave men on base if he hit as well as the white Sox do. And I understand that, but there has to be a concerted effort by these hitters to, Understand, okay, what's the situation? Cool. That guy's on second. What I want to do is this, that, and the other with this pitcher who's going to feature that. And I need to have a plan going up there, not just swinging wildly, not just, hey, this ball's kind of in the zone. Let me go and hit this pitcher's pitch, but set him up. You know, if he doesn't offer you the pitch that you want, sometimes take your four balls, or sometimes you get aced. Take your three strikes and go back to the bench. But I don't just want to see wild hacks at pitches and leaving men out there to be knocked in for the next guy. You need to pick your teammate up. You need to make sure that those runs are scored. And, yeah, the home run ball, as we've seen the last couple days, hasn't been here um, for the White Sox. Today it showed up, but they're not going to be there every time when you need them. So we need some more better execution when you have men on base and to knock these guys in a double digit left on base for four straight games. Not ideal. Absolutely. And you know, you're, you're missing someone like Madrigal who maybe, you know, cures some of those, those, those illnesses with his high contact rate. Um, it gives the lineup a little bit of a different dimension when he's in there. And you know, that we haven't seen yet, this team at full strength offensively with everyone hitting where they're supposed to hit, everyone healthy. Mazzara not in the lineup tonight. Um, he had been struggling so far a little bit, so it was good to see him get a little breather tonight. But, yeah, overall, you know, you, you, you'd you like to see them convert on more opportunities offensively. But sometimes when you score early in a ball game, you don't always have to, uh, you know, keep piling on. You, you give your pitcher a nice little cushion. In this case, it was Giovanni Gonzalez to, tonight, who goes four and two-thirds innings, giving up six hits, two runs, both of them earned, one walk, two Ks, and, of course, giving up the home run. But 
he's not necessarily the story. Well, I guess we shouldn't comb over his efforts tonight. But as far as the Gio Gonzalez thing, I, I think he is what he is at this point. He's not going to be mm-hmm. a guy that that goes incredibly deep in a ball game and gives your bullpen a rest, which is you know the current state of the pitching staff. It's not the best thing in the world. But what do you make of what you've seen out of Gio Gonzalez so far here in 2020? You just like you said, he is what he is. I don't expect that much out of him. If he could have completed that fifth inning or that last out, I would be like, yeah, that's what I want out of him. Five innings, two earned runs, and let the bullpen take over. Getting him to that fifth inning is the most important part because you, you don't want to put this much stress on the bullpen, even though that Matt Foster is a thing. Yeah, there, man. I'll get to him in a, a second. Thing. Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some arms in that bullpen for the first time in a while. We'll get to them in a second. And so, yeah, so Giovanni Gonzalez, all he needs to do is get to the fifth inning, three runs or less, and I think most Sox fans will be satisfied that's giving your team the chance to compete in that game and then leaving it up for the last four innings for your bullpen. So I'm fine with his outing today. Wish he would have got that last out or Ricky would have let him stay in for Miguel Cabrera, but I understand why he took him out. Uh, Cordero versus Cabrera was a much better matchup for him. Yeah, Jimmy Guns came in and, uh, and gets the job done. All right, so let, let's get to it. This is like the, the revelation of, of this ball game yeah, the, we, that most Sox fans were excited about. Yes, it was nice to see Eloy's power come back, especially opposite field in, in, in that ballpark. Hard to not think of Miguel Cabrera when you see a swing like that. Just easy power to the opposite field. Um, but Matt Foster, also uh, power here. Uh, he was absolutely nasty tonight. For those of you who are uh, new to the Matt Foster bandwagon, Sox got him. He's a 20th round pick out of Alabama, Roll Damn Tide, in the 2016 draft. So far uh, in 2020, his ERA is at zero. That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. Kutch. Uh That's pretty good. I was crunching some numbers earlier. If you can have your ERA right around zero or uh, just a little bit above, that you're, you're in good shape there. But Matt Foster was absolutely filthy tonight and maybe not this year. I don't know if they can stretch him out uh, to be maybe a starter this year, but if they want to try the bullpenning thing again, uh, Johnny Allstaff, uh, all as Matt Spiegel calls the thing, where you where you where you bullpen a game. I don't think you'll be able to see him start a game in the traditional sense, where he goes five six innings this year. But he's been filthy not only this year, but also last year, dating back to the minors. But what do you like about what you're seeing here when he's out there? He looks like he has command of all the pitches that he wants to throw, and confidence too. And what he's throwing, he's uh, a guy that's surprising. I, I When he got on the team, I was like, who is this guy? And apparently he's been on the White Sox, like you said. He got drafted in 2016, and he's just been dominating down there in the minor leagues. And uh, I'm just shocked just how, like, off the radar he was. But, you know, he's a reliever. He's never really started a game in the minors. And he just started that game the other day for the White Sox as an opener. But... This is a guy that, you know, I don't know if anybody but the future Sox guys like James and Mike Rankin know about him before this season started. And it's a pleasant, pleasant surprise that he comes in and just deals and strikes people out. Four strikeouts today in his two innings pitch versus the Tigers. And the ball was just filthy. He had a changeup that had, I don't know what the batter's name was, the left-handed hitter looking dumb he almost lost his helmet on the swing he uh he swung so hard at it and to have that type of poise have that type of stuff this early in his career 
it's just amazing. I'm shocked, and maybe you know the the surprise element is what's getting to these hitters. Don't have a real book on him, just like we don't. And he'll maybe get touched up a little bit more. But for a guy making his first major league starts, this is his fifth appearance in a game. I have no complaints at all. I want to see more of this guy. I want to see him in more high leverage spots instead of guys that he always goes to. I mean, Evan Marshall's been solid. Jimmy Cordero's been solid. But now you have another right-hander and Zach Birdie, who pitched today, too, that maybe we could see in a little higher leverage spots and see if they can uh, succeed in those. Yeah, Zach Birdie's been fun to watch, too, early on. It seems like a guy that would, was never going to get here. But now he's here, and they need him, and they could use him in, in some high leverage spots, like you said. So it's exciting, man. It's what's what I always talk about. And get, getting back to Foster, just throwing with conviction is, is all you ask for. You know, when you when you've got the stuff and you've got a power arm, you just want to see the guys out there throwing with a little bit of conviction, believing in your stuff. Because there was a guy out there that was a former first round pick of the Sox out there throwing tonight for the Tigers. Hmm. We'll get to in a second, which is kind of the antithesis of what I'm talking about here. But one of the silver linings about this year, we keep getting back to it, is is this roster churn. Like I feel like these are guys that the White Sox never would have given a chance to in a normal year. I don't know if that's a coop call or a Rickon call. If they like known established commodities out of the bullpen, guys who have a track record one way or another, you know what you're getting. Um, but you you see guys like like Matt Foster and some of the other guys that have come up so far this year, and and you're wondering like, huh, maybe. There's some light at the end of the tunnel here for for the Sox pitching infrastructure. Like if they got some arms like this down here, and we're seeing them, you know, maybe they're they're trending in the right direction in the in the lower levels. Maybe that would be a question, like you said, for our future Sox guys at a later date. But you'd love to see new guys into the fold. Uh, you know, Cody Hoyer, another one of those guys who's 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 come on and who who appears to have some good stuff. So there, there's some potential there, and maybe you're talking about some pieces that can be a part of, of, a, of a world championship team bullpen down the road. You know, you can have a whole bullpen of homegrown guys and you don't have to worry about, you know, just spinning off one of your best, you know, prospect assets for a closer down the line, or you don't have to worry about moving Aaron Bummer out of his comfortable spot in, in, in the high leverage spots in the middle of a ball game. You can just, you know, churn out young talent with stuff, guys that throw with conviction, and you can just kind of have that Indians model where it's just one guy after another, and you're like, man, how do they keep doing this? But it's certainly something encouraging to see. Um, so back to Carson Fulmer, who I, who I alluded to a second ago. So he comes on the seventh inning and immediately hits Shane Reardon's guy, Adam Engel. What's going on there, Herbie? What, do you think that was intentional? That was kind of weird. Yeah, maybe, you know, he's talking shit after he left or, you know, they had a little beef from their old school days. I mean, both were in uh, big time programs in college. One's at Louisville, the other one's at Vanderbilt. I'm sure they played each other. Maybe some beef throughout the times. And it was a throwaway game anyways. White Sox had a big lead at that time and he wanted to show some punishment or maybe. Carson Fulmer's terrible and can't <laughs> locate any of his pitches that he throws. I sent out a tweet that White Sox batters are like, oh, shit, we get to face him now, baby. They only got two <laughs> runs off of him. But anyways, they were, you know, like, man, this bum, Jose Abreu got that hanging slider, and now he's lucky that he didn't elevate that ball. But he rocketed that shit down third, third, third baseline to drive in Tim Anderson. But, yeah, I was sad. Because you know, from all accounts, Carson Fulmer is a good guy, good dude, not a not a a hole, not a jerk, not a bag. But 
you know, he didn't work out here. And it's fun for our team to get some some licks off of a dude that causes a lot of pain in the years that he was here as a White Sox reliever and starter. So yeah, it was, it was it was just a weird thing. It was just so Carson Fulmer to come out and hit the first guy. It's it's totally not out of the realm of possibility that it was just a, a bad pitch. But Adam Engel, I couldn't tell if Engel was genuinely pissed off or he was just like, "Dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like what the hell? You know what I mean? Like I wasn't expecting that. You know, I'm Adam Engel for God's sakes. But yeah, so the Sox winners tonight, much needed. They win by a score of eight to four in Detroit. And, uh, and of course, Matt Foster gets the win tonight. He hangs around long enough to get the win, and he's been great so far this year. And tomorrow the Sox are looking for Dylan Cease to continue building on the momentum of what he's done. And they're going up against Matthew Boyd, who we talked about uh, with, uh, with our guy Chris Castellani, right, from Locked on Tigers, mm-hmm. um, about what, well, sort of what Matthew Boyd's role is going to be like for the Tigers this year. And he's struggling so far this year. He's got an ERA of 9.20. So, of course, you know, I'm not taking it for granted. He's, he's been struggling, so it's a good time to pounce on him. But here's a guy who's, who's got the stuff, shut down the Sox previously. So it should be an interesting pitching matchup tomorrow. And, of course, we'll be here to break it down as the Sox look to ride the momentum of the eight-run uh, output tonight, the offensive barrage uh, in Detroit. A lot of guys still struggling a little bit here. Uh, maybe some other guys could use a day off like Luis Robert, but I look at Yohan Moncada and I sort of see some of those signs that Dallas Keiko was talking about, not saying that he's dogging it out there by any means, but just seems like a guy who's just not quite right. Either he's dinged up and you saw him sort of botch that throw to, to Abreu in the first inning there, but mm-hmm. he, he seems maybe like uh, he could be a guy that needs a breather. What are you seeing in Yohan Moncada of late? I would be 100% shocked if Yohan Moncada's in the lineup tomorrow morning. This is the perfect opportunity to get him, to get Abreu, even if you put Abreu at DH, uh, a day off, uh, something. Uh, Abreu is, I mean, uh, Moncada's 100% hurt. There's something bothering him. You could tell by the swings he he's having up there. You could tell by that throw he had in the first inning, where it's just he had plenty of time, and just I, usually he only he'll, he'll airmail those things, but he threw that. It's like a shot put. It went like five to ten feet in front of Jose Abreu, with who had an excellent defensive game today. Got to give him credit after all the times I crap on him. Excellent game for Jose Abreu with the bat and also with the glove. But Mancada's hurt. It'll be a perfect opportunity to give him this day off and on Wednesday, have a full day off on Thursday as the team is not playing, and then maybe reconvene if they play on Friday versus St. Louis. So I would love to see him to get a, a nice blow. But he started the year as, you know, getting on base via either hit or walk in every single game, and today that ended. That tells me that Yoan Mancada, when everybody else on the team seem to be feasting, even though they only got eight hits, um, that he's doing something. He's ailing. Something's wrong with him. And then another person I want to uh, just so a, well, a wellness check. Think, you need a wellness check on someone else on the on the big league club here. No, I don't need him. I uh, you need to get, get off. You need, two. you need him to get off it's your a, television. <laughs> yes, he. It's an eight to two lead in the ninth inning. Ricky and Kirk Hassler, who's sitting in for Don Cooper, go to Ian Hamilton, a guy who had problems last year and then he got hurt. I don't know what 
makes a pitcher, and Carson Fulmer was this guy too. The reason why you're in the game, Ian Hamilton, is because they don't trust you in other situations. So with a big six-run lead, your job is to throw the ball over the damn plate. Let them hit it as far as they can. He's over here nibbling to Yimer Candelario and then eventually walks him. And then he's over here nibbling to another batter. I'm like, come on, throw the ball over the plate and get dudes out and let Yimer Candelario <laughs> hit the ball as far as he can. It doesn't matter. But at least that shows me that you understand game situation. You understand that you're the last guy. And his poor outing made the White Sox get up Jose Ruiz, who was brought up from Schaumburg on the taxi squad, and he made him up and get up a couple throws. And then Steve Ciszek, who eventually had to come in the game and get the final two outs. And he's like, you know he's not happy about that. I mean, he's the the Steve Ciszek thing, I I applauded the signing, but we all knew we had our reservations about it when it happened. We're like, eh, I don't know how much this guy's got left, but he's not going to have anything left if he's going to have to come in and do mop-up work when when you've got uh, an eight-run lead, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, you know, that's not good news right there. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Continue on, Ian Hamilton. No problem. So he... He pitches a third of an inning, gives up only one hit because he only had one guy allowed to hit the ball because he was just wild the whole day. And I understand, you know, sometimes you don't have your command or your control of your balls, but a fastball, you can throw down the plate. Just throw it down the plate and let him hit it. Uh, gave up two runs that both earned and walked two guys. So that's just unacceptable to me. Like, you got to compete. You, you have to give your team a chance, especially when they're up six and show your teammates that, hey, I understand time. I understand what the game situation is, and nibbling is not in our best interest right here. We're trying to get some sleep tonight, early game tomorrow, bringing up Steve Ciszek, as you said. The man's pitched over, what, a buck 35 in the last two years? A Two more outs and uh, two more, what, two-thirds of an inning I will, right there? I will say this, though, That's about Ciszek. I mean, at least you gave him a chance to lower his earned run average. And I'm sure he's oh, yeah. probably like, hey, thanks, Ricky. I appreciate you on that one because <laughs> we, we can't have Steve Ciszek out here looking like he was looking with that ERA like in the 20s or whatever. But he So he got to lower his ERA a little bit. But Hamilton so far this year in, in four games for the Sox, he's got a 450 earned run average, uh, four innings pitched in, in 4K. So he's, you know – He's sort of just in that you know that no man's land. You can't we can't trust you, and I don't think they'll be putting him in a position again, uh, really in any close ball game after tonight's performance. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about earlier with Foster and Birdie. They these outings when you have a big lead and you go out and then shove it up the other team's ass, that gives Ricky and the boys like okay maybe later in a big time situation. I can go to this guy and trust him and see if he has anything. There's not a chance for Hamilton to do, to do that at all. Maybe Hamilton goes in and you have the confidence of a six-run lead. I don't understand why you just don't say, hey, man, whatever happens, happens. The team understands if I give up a couple runs here that, you know, I'm just pitching free and easy. I'm not down here buckling down and shit. So they won't put this against me. But when you walk, guys, when you're up six – the rest of the team's like, that's that's garbage. I hate that. Don't do that ever again. And your teammates won't trust you, and especially your manager won't trust you. So it was a bad day for Ian Hamilton. I'll give him another shot tomorrow if the White Sox get another big-ass lead and see what he can do with it. And I hope he comes out and he proves to the White Sox and the fandom 
that he is ready to go because that arm last year was really impressive, really impressive early, and I was looking to see more. I think he had a Tommy John surgery that knocked him out. So uh, I'm rooting for Mr. Hamilton. I just want him to be better. I picture all the guys in the dugout just really they can't wait to get out of there. Some guys can't wait to go to the casino. Some guys, uh, well, they can't go up to Canada anymore because they don't want us there. Um, but I'm thinking about Luis Robert, like, you know, the first time ever. He's, he's salivating, thinking about having Detroit-style pizza for the first time ever. He heard tales of Detroit-style pizza <laughs> as a little boy in, in Cuba. <laughs> he heard he heard the, 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 the travelers talk about Detroit-style pizza and how every piece is a corner piece. And that's all he wants to do is sample Detroit pizza. But he can't because your man Ian Hamilton he- is out there walking, walking the yard and just dicking around around out there and then he downsides to little caesars he just sees it on the board like oh fuck it little caesars let's do that or dominoes but yeah i mistakenly in hamilton 2018 then he had the injury now he's come back this year so yeah um yeah he's uh fucking everybody's plans up for eating delicious (laughs) detroit style pizza in their hotel rooms by themselves so Hopefully he is uh, enjoying a piece, a slice himself, not going back down to Schaumburg and staying here with the major league club and uh, proving that he belongs up here. But all in all, a good win. Wins are what we're here for. And we don't need to be the negative guy. Well, I don't need to be the negative guy. I guess we could be bad cop and you could be the good cop. Well, say all the positive stuff and I bring out the negative stuff. Well, we've managed to stay away from the American League Players of the Week this week, and I really wanted to get to that because there's some fun stuff in there. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow because we're working tomorrow during the game. It's a noon game, local Chicago time. So by the time we get back together, maybe we'll just knock it out after our shift um, and, and we'll do a post game there, but we're not going to be able to watch intently, but maybe tomorrow we'll break down the American league players of the week, Frankie Mont or the AL player of the week, Frankie Montas, and then NL player of the week, the man who shan't be mentioned as James Fox referred to him last night on the pod, uh, Fernando Tatis jr. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about those guys tomorrow and, and mess around and, and, and give you a, a brief game breakdown tomorrow. But until then, why don't you start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios to Today, host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into trends shaping our world. All right, Herbie. So the White Sox, eight to four winners tonight in Detroit. They are nine and nine, back to five hundred on the season, and uh, a nice win tonight for them. But certainly room to improve. Uh, you got anything else for us tonight? I got nothing else. It's too good to win a game. Uh, a laugher early, four to nothing. Thank you, Eloy, for starting us up like that. So, for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. If you want to email us, it is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Every Monday we do a email, a mailbag Monday. So email us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnSocks. You're listening to this podcast either on Apple or Stitcher or Google Play Bolliano, or Spotify. Bolander. Yeah, mega <laughs> megaphone, Verlander, <laughs> Bonderman. Uh, give us five star rating on Apple and leave us a comment. If you hate it, leave us a comment. I read those too. Uh, hey, we're not for everybody, guys. We're here to provide that's incorrect White Sox commentary. We're not. We are for here. For yeah, we're everybody? here for everyone. You're 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 fake news to to the to the people. You're spreading misinformation. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, if you want to leave us a comment on stars, whatever, five stars, four stars, three stars, I don't care. Leave some stars. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Hang a star on it. Opinion. Matter of fact, hang yeah. five stars on it. <laughs> 
Angus Star and Fred. That's uh, Ed Farmer and it's Jerry Coleman. Yes. Friends. It's both of my favorite teams. So let's yes. go with that. Um, so for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. Follow me on Twitter, EcknerWall23, Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. This is Locked on Socks. <laughs>